Well, it strikes me as we uh, come to this passage on marriage this morning that we've spoken a whole bunch uh, already this morning about what uh, about gender issues and, and marriage uh, relationships and those sorts of things. Uh, and we've talked a lot about them, obviously, this morning and uh, over the last few weeks. We had the seminar recently. We've talked about them uh, really for several years now. Um, so a few years ago, we had the, the plebiscite on uh, redefining marriage. Um, and these are really, really weighty issues and, and things that we need to present a, uh, a biblical perspective into. But I think there's a danger that we face reducing what the Bible says about marriage to a definition. A lot of uh, people in the world these days will say that, uh, that marriage uh, is nothing more than a piece of paper. Uh, and of course, the Bible has a lot to say about that. The Bible is, uh, sorry, the Bible says that marriage is far more than a piece of paper. Um, but uh, what answer do we have for that if all that we have to say is the, de- the, the, the biblical definition of marriage? Uh, I think Paul has here for us a, a higher bar than that. Yes, we want to have a biblical definition of marriage, of of marriage between one man and one woman uh, for life. Uh, That marriage is the only place for sexual union. But Paul says in verse 15, Look then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. There's a higher definition for marriage, a higher bar for marriage. It's not just about, uh, about the definition that we have, but living wisely. Living, uh, as verse 17 is, in the will of the Lord. Verse 16, making the best use of our lives. And so, as we approach this topic of marriage, we want to understand this passage in terms of that context, that marriage uh, is, some, is, is an area of life in which we can uh, display the will of the Lord, in which we can live in a wise way, live in the best way. Uh, and that's what this passage has to say. Uh, Hans said before, this is quite a, con, uh, a, a uh, um, controversial ma- uh, passage, the Bible has to say about marriage. Uh, but Paul says this is the best way. There is no better way to do marriage uh, than what we're about to read in these passages. And so if we want to have marriages, if we want to build our marriages the wise way, uh, Paul introduces us here in this passage to three things that we need to understand about marriage. The first one I want to I want to identify is how marriages grow, uh, and uh, this is particularly going to come from verses eighteen to twenty-one. And uh, you guys um, would have looked at this last week, so I'm not going to 
uh, to focus too deeply on them. Um, obviously, marriage isn't the main focus of these verses, but uh, uh, but it does have the context that the rest of the passage comes in. And uh, in the same way that you might, you, you need to have the right context for a child or for a tree or for an animal to grow, uh, in the same way we need the right context uh, if we're going to have uh, the, if we're going to have marriages grow well. Um, and so firstly, uh, we see in verse 18 that marriages grow through the work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says the context uh, in which we need to understand marriage uh, is by being filled with the Spirit. Uh, now you might wonder why the Holy Spirit is key to a marriage. Um, and it's it's quite simple because it, Paul has seeded these themes all the way through Acts so uh, through through Ephesians so far. Uh, verse uh, chapter one verse seventeen he called, he said that the spirit is uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Uh, Paul says similarly in verse chapter three verses five and six the mystery of Christ is revealed by the spirit and so the spirit has uh, a a unifying effect of revealing the father to us in the person of jesus christ Uh, in chapter two we learn that the uh, conversely the holy spirit gives us access to the father through jesus Uh, verse 18 of chapter two through jesus we both have access in one spirit to the father um, and in chapter 4, there's this unifying effect, again, between believers. Uh, Paul says uh, in verse 3 of chapter 4, Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. See, the Holy Spirit brings unity, uh, both between believers and between God and believers. Um, and that's really key to a marriage, because... Marriage is a union. Uh, Paul talks repeatedly in this passage about unity, about how a husband and wife are unified and about how Christ is unified to us as well. Uh, the Holy Spirit brings unity uh, and the, through the Holy Spirit, a marriage can have unity. Uh, not only that, but the Spirit... Uh, Marriages grow in the context of a spirit-filled community. Uh, verses 19 to 21 talk about uh, different aspects of things, of what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Paul talks about uh, uh, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, Paul talks about singing gratefully. Uh, Paul talks about submitting to one another. All these things are things that we have to do together. We can't just uh, speak to one another if there's no one another around us. We can't submit to one another if there's no one another around us. Uh, we need that spirit-filled community. Uh, and marriage in the, is built in this context. Marriage isn't meant to be a private thing. You know, we, we sort of think like, our oh, marriage is something that's at home. What happens at home stays at home. But no, marriage is supposed to be in the context of community. 
Uh, now, again, this isn't true just for marriage. This is, uh, these things aren't specifically about marriage, but they are key to marriage. Um, and, uh, and so as, um, if we are married, which uh, many people in this congregation are, then we should be seeking continually to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, that is to be controlled by the Spirit, in, uh, in contrast to being completely losing all control uh, if we were filled with wine, for example, as it says in verse 18. Uh, now, we firmly believe, um, based on what the Scripture says, that all believers have the Spirit, but that's not the same uh, as, as submitting to the Spirit or being uh, filled with the Spirit in the way that Paul is using it in this passage. We all need to be continually uh, listening to what the Bible says because that is how the Spirit, uh, in applying what the Bible says, brings us into submission to him. Um, and similarly, we ought to, uh, as married couples, we ought to be in community as much as possible. Now, that latter point... Um, can, is uh, pretty important for all of us, uh, those who are married and those who aren't, uh, because not only is it important that people come, married people come into our community, but we should also be uh, looking out for married people as well as a community. Not just for married people, of course, for all our couples and singles and kids and all people within our church. Uh, we want to be a church that brings that community to each other, that brings the benefits of community, all the, uh, the, uh, the care and the um, accountability that community brings. Um, particularly when there's a couple where one person is at the church and the other person isn't regularly. Um, Jack, for example... Uh, who uh, is, suppose Jack is a regular attendee on Sunday, but his wife Jill maybe uh, regularly doesn't come. Maybe she has work, she has uh, kids, she has health, uh, physical health, mental health issues, um, whatever, maybe she isn't even a believer. Whatever reason, she doesn't usually come to church. As caring, if we are uh, uh, people that care for Jack and Jill then we should seek to spend time with them during the week, together. Uh, remember, of course, fellowship isn't just something that we do on Sunday mornings. Fellowship is, is, is any time that we get together as Christians. Uh, and so we can extend those benefits of fellowship to each other uh, by meeting with people who, don't, who we don't regularly see uh, during the week. Uh, just as Wayne talked about before, meeting uh, with Pat beforehand because he didn't see him very recently. Um, uh, in the Anglican uh, marriage service, there's a, a really great moment um, where uh, after the vows between the husband and wife, um, the husband commits himself to his wife and the wife can 
commits herself to the husband. Uh, and then the, congreg- the, the uh, celebrant turns to the congregation and says, uh, Family and friends, with God you are witnesses to these promises. Will you do everything in your power to uphold this man and this woman in their marriage? And the congregation says, we will, God being our helper. So the celebrant says again, will you pray for them that they may live faithfully together as husband and wife until their life's end? And the congregation says again, we will. This is a really important moment because it's a vow, a solemn vow on the part of the congregation to uphold and to support the married couple. And this is something that we should commit to doing for all married couples within our church. Support them, pray for them, spend time with them, hold them accountable. Because that's how marriages grow. Um, As the Spirit works inwardly within each person in the marriage and as uh, the collective community around them helps to uphold and support and grow them. And so that's the first thing we need to understand about marriage, how they grow. Uh, Secondly, we need to understand from what it is that they flow. Uh, Now, we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at the the rest of the passage, verses 22 to 33, and I want to first look at what this passage has to say about Jesus. Uh, Because Jesus... In this, is really key in this passage. What the, this passage has to say a whole great deal about who Jesus is and how he relates to us. Uh, this is absolutely central to what marriage is all about. In fact, Jesus uh, in general is absolutely central to what our lives are all about. Uh, as we sang before, he is Christ alone, the cornerstone on which we build all else. And so what this passage has to say about Jesus, the core of it is the principle that Christ and the church are unified. Uh, We see this particularly in verses 30 to 32. Paul says, we are members of Christ's body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying to you that it refers to, what? Christ and the church. Christ and the church, one flesh. All throughout Ephesians, Paul has been saying that the blessings that we have as Christians come to us because we are unified with Christ. Uh, Chapter 1, if you read back over that, you would see that it's filled with this phrase, in Christ. Uh, That is a way of speaking about Christians that shows that all that we have comes because we are in Christ. We are unified with Christ. We are part of his body. Um, And again, this is key to understanding marriage because the union that Christ and the church have uh, is, uh, is 
reflected in the union that a husband and wife have. The unity that is found in the gospel of how we are unified with Christ is the same unity to which we should aspire as husbands and wives. Uh, secondly, the church uh, is the uh, sorry Christ is the head that the church submits to. That's a, a second truth that this passage teaches us about Christ. Uh, verse twenty-three: uh, Christ is the head of the church, His body, and is Himself its savior. Uh, now, again, this is important because it shows us everything this passage has to say about leadership and, and headship and submission. Uh, the the images of Christ being the head that is. Um, our heads are the one, other part of our bodies that lead us, right? Our, our eyes and our ears sort of sense out a way that we should go. Uh, our mind obviously then makes decisions about how the rest of our body is going to go in that direction. Um, not only that, but through our heads, through our particularly our nose and our mouth, we get everything that we need to survive. And in the same way, we uh, get everything that we need to survive through Jesus as Christians. Jesus leads the church, he, he guides it, he makes decisions, or, or it's his will that we follow as the church. Uh, and through him, uh, we are, uh, as it says, uh, uh, cherished and nourished, in verse 29. Uh, thirdly, um, we see uh, this passage talks about Christ's Love for the church. Uh, we uh, <clears throat> see this particularly in verses 25 to 28. Um, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself uh, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. Jesus' love, of course, was the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Christ literally gave up his life in the most painful, horrific uh, way imaginable, beyond our imagination, really. Christ's love is intensely sacrificial. Uh, Jesus' love is concerned with our ultimate good. Uh, again, he sought to sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Uh, this is a, a, an image of a husband that pampers his wife. Uh, he, he's washing her, massaging her with oils and lotions, as it were, but not in a physical sense, but spiritually, inwardly. Jesus cleanses his church transforms her spiritually, making her spirit beautiful. Uh, again, Jesus nourishes and cherishes the church just as if it was own, his own physical body. Uh, and Jesus will present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. Uh, all the good things, uh, Revelation tells us, all the good things made or found throughout all of history and all throughout all of eternity will be adorning the church. This is what it means to be, to be beautiful uh, on that last day. Nothing and no one bad will be able to 
set foot there. Perfection, sweet, beautiful perfection is what will characterize the church when Christ is done uh, perfecting it. Uh, Perfection that brings joy to God uh, for all eternity, just as he brings joy to us. Uh, and uh, so, and not only that, but Jesus' love uh, is is ultimately uh, unconditional. He loves us in spite of who we were. Uh, it's, Jesus doesn't love us because of some great attractiveness or, or, or potential, but just because He chose to. Uh, we're sort of conditioned by all sorts of stories in in uh, in Hollywood or in fiction uh, that uh, it's always the attractive girl that gets the guy right even in real life Uh, but you think about stories like Cinderella for example she's uh, she's sort of a a little servant at the start of the story she's in no position to meet a prince and only a fairy godmother can get her to the ball but what happens when she gets there well she dances and uh, and uh, she's uh, charming and good looking and the prince falls for her of course um, and we sort of sometimes think that that's, that's what the gospel's like. We're sort of down here on earth and Jesus is up there in heaven. Uh, but if we can, uh, be, if we can just show off enough that, that God will like us, that's what makes Jesus love us. Uh, maybe, uh, in different stories, it might be the brains of the girl or the sense of humor her moves her potential whatever it is a prince might fall for someone way below his station but only because she's really really attractive but that is not how the gospel works that is not how jesus love for us works jesus loved us even when we were wretched. We were not on some sort of equal plane with Jesus that he should take notice of us. We had nothing to attract him. Uh, We'd done everything possible to reject him uh, and insult him and demean ourselves and push him away. And still, in spite of all of that, he chose to love us. He chose to, to make us beautiful, uh, to, uh, to perfect us in his sight. He loves us still. He continues to transform us and he will love us forever. See, this is true love. This is the ultimate standard of love. It, and the relationship that Christ has with the church is true marriage. It's, uh, it's not as, uh, if you were here in the seminar, you'll remember, it's not as though our marriage is something uh, that, uh, that Christ and the church provide a picture of and, we, uh, and, and uh, um, Christ and the church, uh, we look at that and we go, oh yeah, that's what our marriage is like. No, we, look, we are aspiring to be that marriage. Christ is something that we should point to. Our marriages must flow out of those gospel truths.
is what Paul calls us to. Uh, and so we've seen what marriages, uh, how marriages grow, and we've seen from what they flow. Uh, and now, thirdly, uh, w- if uh, if that's what marriages flow from, that will shape what husband and wives show to each other. And so that's the third thing we need to understand: uh, what husbands and wives must show. <clears throat> uh, because there's a phrase that keeps coming up in this passage. Just as, even as, or in the same way. These similar phrases are all showing that our marriages must be imitating uh, what Christ and the church are. Uh, just as, uh, as Paul has said back in chapter 4 verse 1, uh, we need to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. Uh, chapter 5 verse 1, we should be imitators of God in the same way that Christ loved the church, husbands love their wives. In the same way that the church submits to Christ, wives should submit to the leadership of their husbands. Uh, looking to Christ, as I said, means uh, 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 Christ being our head means looking to Him as the the guide and the one who will provide our needs. Um, and again, in the same way, wives should submit to their husbands as the ones who will lead uh, the family and the the uh, who will provide for their needs. Uh, as of course, insofar as that accords with submission to Christ. Uh, now that doesn't mean that wives shouldn't uh, speak against their husbands if there uh, if there is some sort of uh, reason, good reason why they're they're uh, leading astray. Uh, it doesn't mean that wives can't take responsibility in certain areas of the household. Uh, it certainly doesn't mean that wives should sub- should uh, just sit down uh, and take any sort of abuse that is thrown at them. But what the passage is saying is uh, is that when a wife does submit to her husband, this is when the hu- the, the family operates best. Now there are a couple of ways that this could go wrong. Uh, the the uh, why, women are often called these days by the world to uh, to follow their dreams independently of their husband, or ir- irrespective of what their husband has to say. Uh, but more often, I think the, uh, the the submission of a wife to her husband starts uh, when a husband fails to lead the family effectively. Men, uh, you need to make it a make your relationship uh, such that your wife can s- submit to you, can uh, respect your leadership. Is if your husband, uh, sorry, if your wives' men are the ones that usually bring up tough conversations there's probably something wrong men you need to lead uh, your wives and wives submit to that leadership Uh, and in the same way that Christ loved the church again husbands must love their wives Uh, in other words sacrificially uh, give of yourselves for your wife's good uh, men, uh, if you were listening before at what it means that Christ loved the church, you will uh, agree with me uh, that this is an incredibly high calling. 
some men uh, uh, see it as uh, um, uh, uh, makes it makes it easier on them that wives are the ones called to submit, as if we get the the easier job. Uh, but assuming that the wives have a uh, a respectable husband, men we are the ones that are getting the difficult job here. Loving our wives sacrificially means giving of ourselves for her. Uh, Loving her means giving of ourselves for her spiritual good. Men, we need to love our wives uh, seeing as if she is as much a part of our body, as much in need of our care and nourishment as our own limbs or, or our own torso, our own any sort of body part that we have. Your wife is as much a part of you as that. Men, love your wives with every part of your body. Love her with your eyes. Show her that you appreciate her. Uh, Show her how much you appreciate the sight of her. Love her with your mouths. Tell her that you love her and why. Love her with your hands. uh, Doing things for her. Love her with your lovemaking. Men, uh, you are often the ones that will get satisfaction and often it's the wives that miss out. Uh, Men, love her with your creativity. Continually be on the lookout for ways to bring her joy new ways to show that you care i love her with your time prioritize spending time with her particularly alone time with her on a regular basis love her with your decisions take her opinion into account as you lead your family men love your wives with the gospel Help her to see Jesus day by day uh, because he is the one who will bring both you and her true and lasting joy. Love her with everything that you have. Uh, Verse 28 gives us a bit of of, um, encouragement and and motivation. he who loves his wife loves himself, it says. Uh, men, the effort that you put into loving your wife will come back to benefit you. Uh, you we all know that, uh, that um, saying that goes, uh, behind every great man is a great woman. Right? Well, men, how do you expect to be a great man if you're not making sure that your wife is a great woman? Uh, the... He who loves his wife loves himself, the word, the word says, because she is his own flesh. Uh, now, once again, this passage uh, and, it's, and what it says has to say here um, has been uh, used to justify horrendous abuse against women. Awful, awful things. Any w- abuse that a husband meets out against his wife is a terrible, terrible injustice. Uh, and that's not what this passage is calling for. And so I want to just note four things, finally, um, to speak against um, both criticisms of this passage, uh, but also the, the way that it's been abused in the past. 
Um, so once again, note that the passage hinges on the phrase, just as. See, all of this has to flow out of the gospel, or the whole thing falls apart. Uh, secondly, note that the passage emphasizes uh, that wives should submit to their own husbands. Husbands, love your own wives. Uh, of course, we, we know from other passages of Scripture that all people in the church must love each other. Um, and, uh, the, and verse 21 also says that we should all submit to each other. But we don't want to use this passage to say that all women are inferior to all men or that uh, women should always submit in every area of life. This is... Uh, the, the wife submitting to the husband is, uh, is specifically related to that marriage relationship. So wives, submit to your own husbands. Uh, you don't have to... Um, submit uh, in the same way to all men. Uh, thirdly, note that husbands are not called to make their wives submit. Uh, the Verse 33 says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, sometimes men have said that, uh, that they are the ones that need to make their wives submit, you know, beat them into submission or something. That is a horrible, horrible abuse of this passage. Let the wife see that she respects her husband's husbands. Look out for your own uh, command to love your wife and wives uh, look out for your own command to submit to your husband. Uh, and fourthly, uh, note how much of this passage is devoted to men. Uh, in fact, verse 22 doesn't even uh, have a isn't even a a direct command. It's actually following on uh, from the verse 21 in the original. It's uh, the most of the commands in this passage are addressed at men. Most of the verses in this passage are addressed at men. Uh, as I said again, as I said before, men, we have the greater responsibility here. We are called to lead. We are called to love. Again, men, look out for your own command and wives, look out for yours. Now, in conclusion, I've talked a whole lot today about what we must do in our marriage relationships and, and what we must aspire to. This is, uh, of course, the perfect and ideal marriage. And we should aspire to this. We should do this. But remember that no marriage here on earth will ever attain this perfectly. Even the best marriages here on earth will, be, will, will have moments of sin and disharmony. All marriages here on earth will ultimately end in death, if not before. Some of you here have come from failed marriages. Some may have cheated or been cheated on. Some of you have lost spouses to age or sickness or, or deadly accidents. Tragically, some may even have been abused. 
all marriages are, are imperfect, but many are terribly, terribly broken. But no matter how bad your marriage may be, I want you to know that you are a partaker in the most true and perfect marriage. Because we are members of Christ's body. If you are a Christian, you are a member of Christ's body. You are a part of that relationship that Christ has with the church, the true and ultimate marriage. Uh, and, and when Jesus returns for all eternity, we will experience that marriage relationship. We will experience true and blessed union with Christ uh, in the fullest consummate sense. Because we are the bride of the perfect risen Christ. And, and as Hans read this morning, we uh, will share in that marriage banquet where God will swallow up death forever. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for uh, the assurance that we are members of your body that you love us, that you lead us, that you provide for us. Lord, we pray, uh, as, as we've said, that you, we would live lives worthy of these gospel truths, that we would imitate that relationship that you have with us in the way that we uh, relate to our wives as men and the way that our wives relate to their husbands as well. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would be a church that supports marriage, uh, that, that uh, seeks to uphold uh, not just what the Bible says about the definition of marriage, but Lord, the, uh, the, seeks to uphold the great uh, ideal of marriage and the true marriage and hold that forth as the true marriage, uh, that relationship that we have with Christ. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us live these truths out uh, and as we go into our weeks this week. Uh, in Christ's name. Amen.